Like, I feel like what would have been helpful for me during the Olympics is in that extra lane in the pool, if they put like a regular person in there so you could see how fast these people are actually swimming compared to like the speed that they're going at. So it's a little bit crazy to think, you know, these athletes, they don't just wake up one morning and think to themselves, uh, okay, I'm going to become an Olympian and then just get on a plane and show up in London, right? It doesn't work that way. The road to being an Olympic athlete is filled with all kinds of hurdles along the way. And it's hard work. There's lots of stuff. We've got a friend uh, whose son's at the Paralympics right now. And I was talking with him and cheering him on a little bit via email. And he was saying, I've been working at this for almost a decade to try and run this fast and to try and perform at this level. He says, there's so many things along the way that can trip me up. Like diet, if I don't eat the right stuff. Exercise, if I fall out of my routine that I'm supposed to be doing and getting ready and in shape. Uh, My lifestyle. Uh, If somebody else I know uh, has superior technology or also superior performance-enhancing substances. You know, all of these types of things. If you have, like Simon Whitfeld, right? If you have a fall or an accident at a critical point. You've been training for decades for this whole moment. And a few small things can trip you up along the way. You might even be, uh, you're not like me if this is you, but you might have been born with a modicum of athletic ability. But even if you were, you still have to train super hard and discipline yourself in order to compete at that level of athleticism because the competition is stiff. You don't just wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to go to the Olympics and just show up at the Canadian time trials and try and race. You have to be disciplined and work hard at it. And maybe that's why one of the compelling images that the New Testament gives to us about our walk with God and our life is that of a race. Many of the descriptions in the New Testament that are taken to paint this picture for us are taken from the world of athletics. So if you have your Bibles, uh, take a look there, and uh, we'll look into the text of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 29. And before we get there, I want to ask that question for us there. All right, Keith, can you shout out some of the answers for me at the back there? So the question is this. What do you think are some similarities between getting in shape physically and growing spiritually, or getting in shape spiritually? So what does it say back there, Keith? Both take effort, okay? It takes time before you see any benefits. Those are excellent. Any other uh, input that you'd want to have to that conversation? Shout it out. It's not easy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what else? Yeah, Joyce. It takes time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What else? Other similarities that you can think of? Sorry, Kevin? Mental discipline? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry? It helps to have a what? A trainer, absolutely. Yeah, a coach, somebody that's maybe even a little further down the road that's been there, that's done that, can give you a little bit of a plan. What else? 
self-sacrifice. You've got to give some stuff up. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about that as we go through the series. You're not supposed to use drugs. Spiritually performance-enhancing drugs. I have no idea what that would be, but who knows, Nigel? Good, good answer. All right, so let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27. So grab your Bibles, turn there for a minute. Uh, the text says, Don't you know that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. Another parallel or similarity that was brought up. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear, Paul says, after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So what he's saying at and driving at here in this metaphor with a race from the world of athletics is that if you want to grow in your spiritual life, if you want to make it to the end of your days here on earth with purpose and with intentionality, with an eye on eternity, then you have to practice self-discipline. Just like an athlete pushes themselves, things like resistance training, gets around others who are, are maybe further ahead of them and, and tries to grow in that way. You have to be willing not just to coast along with a little bit of input here and there, a little bit of inspiration, a nice dusting of religiosity or spirituality every now and then, uh, a little bit of scripture intake or church attendance every now and then. You have to be intentional and calculated in your approach to spiritual growth and to personal growth. So more on that in a few minutes, if I make it. So another text that highlights the same thing is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. So 1 Timothy 6, 11 says, Pursue righteousness and godliness, or a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. 1 Timothy 6, 11. So pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And here's the big thing for me personally when I read this verse. I thought to myself, if I'm told to pursue it, it means I don't have it yet. And if I'm told to pursue something, it means it's not going to be something that is just handed to me on a silver platter. Any worthwhile characteristics that are mentioned in this text and in others are not just going to be built into my life easily or in a single mystical moment, especially if I'm told in this text that one of the things that I need to build into my life is perseverance. It's going to be tough sledding if I need to pursue perseverance. And so here's where we come up against our stiff competition, which is the title of our teaching series for September and October. My fear for myself, my fear for us as a church, my fear for our culture is that we've gone soft when it comes to spiritual lives. We're not willing to put in the work that's necessary in order to experience the benefit. We're not willing to put in the time necessary to see some of that return on our investment. We want to wake up tomorrow and instantly and mystically have an awesome relationship with our spouse. 
but we're not willing to put in the hard work and the self-sacrifice and the effort necessary for honest and open communication about some of our challenges. We want desperately to beat out secret addictions that we have, but we're not willing to bring them out into the open in the context of a loving community of people that cares for us and that also is dealing with their own addictions and wants accountability in their lives. We want to grow closer to God. We want to hear Him speak to us in prayer, but we're not willing to listen. And every time God invites us to do something, we say, I'm too busy for that right now, God. Can you talk to me again later about that? We want to uh, reduce anger in our lives, but yet we're not willing, when someone challenges us to it, about it, to receive that word from them. We just say, well, the circumstances, or other people maybe are this or that, or it's just my cultural heritage. Why don't you just get, you know, mind your own business? We want to grow, but we just somehow want it to just materialize overnight. We want to belong to a community and find a place in the church, but the first time someone hurts our feelings or the first scheduling that conflicts comes up, we bail. And then we sit around and talk about people don't call us anymore, church isn't a true community. Our problem, or my problem, is that I want to grow. I just don't really want to put in the hard work. There's too many things that are in stiff competition with what God might want to build into my life. And so often I take the easy way out instead of fighting the good fight and doing the hard work. Which brings me to the second question back up there on the second flip chart. And that is, what do you love about exercise and what do you hate about exercise? Brad Davies, can you just read those? I think there's a response underneath each one of them up there for us. What do you love about exercise? Everything. Wow. And what, sorry? Helps you keep fit. Oh, so underneath, it was what you hate about exercise was everything. Oh, no, that's under what you love about exercise? Wow. Okay. Fair enough. I have no idea who that person is, but wow, that's a, that's a catch-all. Wow, I love it. All right, fair enough. Um, let's, let's add to that discussion. What else? What, what is it that you as an individual, what do you love about exercise? What do you hate about exercise? You feel good afterwards? Is that a love or the hate thing? <laughs> you love it. Okay. All right. You love about exercise. What else? It keeps you healthy. Okay. So you're taking the longer-term view and thinking, okay, short-term pain, long-term gain. Yeah, what else? Can be a social thing. All right. Mike, you're not social at all. (laughs) All right, what else? Yeah, clears your mind, relieves stress. There's countless medical studies that demonstrate that. Yeah, absolutely. What else? What do you hate about it? Let's talk about flip the coin there for a minute. You guys are a bunch of exercise junkies. What do you hate about exercise? (laughs) Sorry? (laughs) Everything, yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) What else? Getting up early? Yeah, for sure. It's inconvenient. Cuts into your schedule. Yeah. What else? It can be expensive. I had a friend who purchased a gym membership. And I sat down with him and said, when was the last time you were at your gym? He said, ah, I don't know, I think it was probably about five years ago. So we figured, we figured out the cost per visit to him, per, to his gym. It was in the thousands of dollars in terms of the cost per visit that he had made to his gym. So it was quite expensive for him. Yeah. What else? What else do you hate about it? Sweating? Yeah? 
You're going to come give me a big hug afterwards, Kevin? <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the first time somebody talked to me about this thing called a runner's high. And they described it after running that they felt so energized. They felt their mind was clear and focused. They felt like they felt they could take on the world. This was so great. And I thought, I don't know, that all sounds good. Let's do it. So I got out and I went for my first run. I felt horrible. I mean, I, and, and I felt like saying, calling this person up and saying to them, you are the biggest hypocrite and liar in the history of the church. Like, what is this business about a runner's high? I feel like I, I feel exhausted. I feel like I could collapse at any minute here. Every joint hurts. Every muscle hurts. Like, why did you tell me all of these great things if this is what I experience? And uh, they didn't tell me this, but, you know, you don't experience that on the first run. <laughs> you don't experience it on the second run. Sometimes you don't experience it on the third, fourth, 15th, or even 50th run. Sometimes it just takes that self-discipline in the investment uh, to actually come before you reap the rewards of physical exercise of any type. So maybe that's the reason for some of the what we don't like about exercise, right? For some of us, self-discipline, like exercise, it's kind of like eating those vegetables that you don't like. You know it's good for you, but you avoid it at all costs, right? And try and get out of it because it's uncomfortable, it takes time, it takes hard work, it's expensive, all those things that we talked about. So maybe this is why the scriptures remind us over and over and over again about the benefits and the parallels between physical discipline and spiritual growth and spiritual fitness. So that's why we're doing this series this fall, so we can talk about that. So as we go through the course of the next number of weeks, our goal is to help you create a bit of a training plan to help you grow in some areas that God might be speaking to you about in your life. So over these next course of the couple of weeks, think of Sunday mornings in our public gathering as a bit like your exercise group or your running group, your boot camp bunch. We're here as a community to help one another grow and accomplish the things that God wants to build into our lives. So to find out why this is so much of a challenge, let's look at our text for this morning which is found in Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews chapter 12 starts with a great running metaphor. Since we're surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, the life of faith, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up, run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, all of these things. Then he gets to verse 11, and he says, you know what? We gotta be honest though, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained or disciplined in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but will become strong. Verse 14, work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. You know, the thing about this text is that it gives us such a clear picture of putting together what it's going to take to put together a training plan for you and for me. So, 
I want to encourage you to think about one area of your life that you feel like you might want to see some movement or some growth in over the course of the next six weeks. All right? Take a minute and just kind of think about, all right, you know, what's God been speaking to me about these last couple days, this last season of my life? Uh, I know for me, when I reflected on this, I thought, you know what? There's a few situations where I get myself into and immediately my patience evaporates. Some of them are with my children. Some of them are in other settings. And so I felt like God was saying to me, Brad, I want to teach you about some issues of patience in your life. I want that to be a growth area for you, all right? So think about what it is for you. It's going to be different for everybody. And then we're going to go through a little bit from this text to see, well, what should we build in then to our training plan in order to actually see some movement and God do something in our lives over the course of this next six-week season, all right? Maybe for you, it's your temper. Maybe for you, it's your finances. Maybe it's your priorities. It's how you spend your time. Maybe it's your need for approval. Maybe you want to grow in scripture intake. Uh, Maybe you want God to work with you in some area of your life. Um, So let's look at the ways in which discipline, self-discipline can be beautiful as we see what God wants to do in our lives. So in Hebrews 12, I think the first thing this text teaches us is that we need to get in the right headspace if you're going to go into a training plan and you want God to do something in your life. And you have to come to the grips with the reality that you need to get ready for stiff competition. Because any change that you want to make in your life, is you're going to be pushing against resistance. That old phrase, no pain, no gain, we don't often think about that in terms of our spiritual lives. We think, well, God should just do something, shouldn't he? And I should become a more patient person. The likelihood is that God, if I pray and say, God, would you make me a more patient person? He's going to put me in circumstances over the course of the next six weeks where my patience is tested. And so as I begin to pray and say, God, would you develop that in my character? I need to be ready for some resistance and some stiff competition. And so the first thing here is just get it into your mind that discipline is painful and this is going to take some work if this is something that you want to see built into your life. Athletes know this. If they want to increase their capacity, it's going to be hard work. They're going to put the time and the effort and the energy and the training program together that actually increases their strength or lung capacity or whatever it is that they need to do. And they know that it's not going to be an easy task. And they know that work is going to be required. And our challenge, though, when it comes to our spiritual lives is most of us don't like that. We don't want our growth to be experienced as pain. We don't want to say no to something, like Josh was highlighting for us, in order to actually discipline ourselves. We don't want to say no, because it's easier to say yes to four more Oreos when I really think I should only have one or two. But like the old saying goes, no pain, no gain. So the first thing we need to remind ourselves of is that growth always involves resistance training, and it always is going to be hard work. All right? So you need to get ready for stiff competition in your life if you make a decision to grow and change and ask God to help you by that. All right? Second thing. You need to get a plan. Look at what it says in Hebrews 12, 13. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet 
This is a training regimen, a plan that this person is going to engage in so that they can do what they could not do without it. Mark out this straight path for your feet so you can walk on it. If you want to increase cardio and all you ever do is go to the gym and use weights, it's not going to help you at all accomplish the thing that you want to accomplish. So many of us don't grow in our spiritual lives because we don't have a plan. We just think, well, it should happen, shouldn't it? I just, if I hang around my life group by osmosis, I should probably pick something useful up, which may or may not be true. But this encourages us to say, put a plan together. Make a straight path for your feet and decide that if you want to strengthen your knees, if you want your hands not to be weak or lame, then actually work on those particular things in your life. That's one of the reasons why this week and next we're having a ministry fair. Uh, Around this room, people want to partner with you to help you grow. And there might be some stuff here that's a helpful part of a training plan for you. If not, if so, great. If not, that's okay too. We are not under any illusions that we are the only training option that exists in God's gym or the best ones to necessarily help you accomplish your goal. So if we can help you, Make a, become a part of your training plan and discipline yourself in some way to grow, fantastic. We're here to help with you and walk with you. We're also here to suggest to you if there's other resources that you need and other types of intentionality that you need to build into your life, then uh, we may not be the ones to help you get where you want to go, but we want to help you get there. So that's the spirit of what we do around here with our ministry fair. So that's the second training principle is just get a plan together. The third one that we see is something that Pastor Keith's going to talk about at the end of this month, so I'll simply mention it here briefly, and that is that, again, that any type of growth in your spiritual life takes work, so you have to get into a groove, get into some habits that you develop, some intentionality around things. The verse 14 says, work at living in peace, meaning two things. Number one, it's going to take a lot of work. And number two, you just got to keep after it. You got to keep after work at living a holy life. These are not overnight, one day kind of projects that God somehow zaps you into a mystical state of living at peace with other people. You got to keep after it. And you got to get yourself in a habit where you can develop and grow in these areas because anything worthwhile takes work. If you set your mind to growing in godliness, like we're invited to do here, You need to settle in for the long haul because this is something that God wants to work with you on and continue to grow in you over the course of your whole lifetime. And it's one thing that I love about the Bible is that the Bible does not present for us a group of people that have all their stuff together. The Bible presents for us, even in our study in Exodus over the summer, a bunch of people that are as messed up as you and I are. And even the most mature people that we encounter in the Bible say things like, I have a long way to go in my training regimen. So plan to settle into a groove and be prepared to train for the long haul. I'm going to run out of steam eventually, so I'll keep these last two ones short. So uh, I love how verse 15 emphasizes the role that others play in our training. We're invited to get in a group. Verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 15 says, look after each other. Watch out for each other. If I go, I plan to go for a run on Tuesday morning, 
and I look outside, and it is raining, or it's cloudy, or I didn't get a good sleep the night before, and my alarm goes off, and I kind of look outside and decide, nah, not really interested. It's pretty easy for me just to hit the snooze button and roll over and go back to sleep, right? But if I made a plan to meet somebody at Starbucks on Tuesday morning at 6 to go for a run, and my alarm goes off, I think to myself, oh man, they're going to be there, they're going to be waiting for me, it's too early to call them, I'll wake up everybody in their family, you know, I should probably just go. I'm less likely to kind of cancel out of what I want to do if I'm running together in a group of people. And the same is true for your spiritual growth. Being a part of community means training together and that we can help and encourage and challenge one another along the way. And so throughout the course of this series, you're going to hear stories from people who are part of our community, who are at different places in their training regimen, and who have decided to make Jericho a part of their training regimen for various reasons, and what that has meant for them. But here in this text, we're reminded that getting in a group, looking out for each other, is going to help us accomplish the things that we want to. It says specifically in this text that it'll prevent things like bitterness and hardness of heart from growing. It'll prevent ingratitude later on in chapter 12. And it's, not, and it's preventing me from stunting my growth and slowing up my training regimen if I'm running together with other people. And the last encouragement we get from this text is actually from the very first verse that we read. It's an invitation or more like an admonition or encouragement for us to keep going with it. Because look at the text. It says, Afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. If I want to overcome or you want to overcome an approval addiction, it's likely that you won't beat it on the first try. I might not even have a euphoric spiritual experience as I wrestle it to the ground on my first attempt. If I try to forgive someone who has hurt me deeply, it's likely a long and Holy Spirit-cultivated process in my life and in my journey. And so we have to learn perseverance in our training. We have to keep after it. We have to keep going in order to experience the benefit and the beauty of self-discipline in partnership with the work of God and the Holy Spirit. So as we close this morning, Renee and Carolyn and the team are going to come and they're going to sing a song that you might be familiar with. And this song, uh, and a lot of the language that we use around Jericho Ridge here is aspirational in nature. We don't pretend that somehow we have arrived and that it's our role to rush around telling everybody else in the community and our friends and workplace environments how to get to where we are. We're on this journey together, and we're walking and limping along towards hopefully increasing levels of fitness as we do this journey together. And so this song expresses it in that language and says, God, this is what I want. This is the desire of my heart. I may not be there yet. I may not even be even close in your mind, you may think. But if you mean it and you want God's help in this process, then we want to encourage you to use the words of this song as a challenge to allow God to do what only he can do in your life. 
And this is not about, as we go into this series, this is not about simply working harder in your own life at your own terms and thinking, all right, I'm going to become a more patient person. I just need to white-knuckle it and get through this six weeks and see what happens. That's not the way God invites us into partnership with him to grow. This series is about submitting to God and allowing him to do and work in a transforming way in your life by his grace. Maybe for you, you've never thought about that experience before. You've never processed that. If you haven't, then we want to work with you and talk with you and pray with you. It's the desire of our heart, deeper than anything else, that you would come to know and understand God's transforming power in your life and in mine. So my challenge to each of us today is simple. Pick one thing in your life that you feel like you want to work on and that you want God's help as you begin to work that through. And then take the lace-up challenge and ask yourself over the next six weeks, what worthwhile goal are you going to pursue? What's that going to look like? Not 15 goals, because sometimes when we come into a new season, right, we think to ourselves, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to read my Bible every day, and then, you know... I do it for like two days in a row, and then the third day I'm like, oh, well, I might as well give up on that goal now. That's not going to happen for me. Don't try and set too lofty of a goal, too high. Just pick one thing. And I want you to take some time to write it down. That's why we give you the momentum journals as a tool to help you in your training. Write it down and say, God, this is the thing that I want to work on with your help over the next six weeks. So it might be something like, you might want to write, I want to read my Bible Uh, three times this week. So your plan might be, I'm going to get up earlier, 10 minutes earlier, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and the Project 345 plan that's in there takes three minutes and 45 seconds on average to read the text of the New Testament. So even just set your watch like five minutes earlier and get up, and you'll have time for it if that's part of your plan. Maybe your goal is, I want to get more connected with people, develop some friendships here at Jericho. So you might make it a part of your plan to come to Group Connect later on this month or to step out of your comfort zone and say hi to somebody during a coffee and connection time or at the barbecue. Your goal might be, I want to yell at my kids less. And so you might want to visit the men's table and ask about four quarter groups that are starting this fall where somebody can hold you accountable on that and ask you, okay, in all honesty, how many times do you yell at your kids this week? Good, that's less than last week. Good, we're moving in the right direction. And they can share your struggles and joys Uh, with others along the journey. So I don't know what your plan is. I don't know what God wants to speak to you about and do in your life over the course of this season, but I do know this, that we're here to help. This is not a six-week series of lectures on how to become a better person, how undisciplined you are. You're not going to hear us wagging our finger at you and telling you, "Ah, you guys need to shape up around here and get into shape. This is an invitation to you simply to take this opportunity and ask God, God, what is it you want to do in my life? What are the things that you desire to build into my heart and into my life and see God do incredible things in and around you? And ask God, is there anything that's preventing me? Anything that's in stiff competition with you and what it is that you want to do in my life as I grow into a healthier and stronger child of God? I'm going to hop off the bike and I'm going to pray and then the team's going to sing. And as we worship together in song, I want you to write down what your lace-up challenge is and invite God into the very center of that process of transformation. So God, we're grateful 
to you. We're grateful for the work and presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives and in our midst. We do not in any way pretend that we can work ourselves into becoming better disciples, better people, better followers of you. That's just moralism at its worst. Our desire, God, as a community is that you would grow in us holiness, righteousness, faithfulness, endurance, patience, courage, discipline. All of these things, God, and more. We want to receive the help and gift of your spirit that you have offered to us as a partner in this process. And so we respond in faith and respond by asking you simply, God, that you would do an incredible work of transformation in our hearts and in our lives. That you would grow in us the capacity and strength and desire to do everything that you have called us to do in the name of your son, Jesus, and in his strength we pray. Amen.